Welcome everyone to the Living Parables podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through his word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning in the show today, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate every single one of you. And now let's begin. Well, welcome back to a brand new week, brand new episode. I'm glad you're here with me today. We are in part two of our three-part series on sanctification, Trust the Process. Last week, we talked about positional sanctification, which is just another name for justification. And remember, we are justified by the redemptive work of Christ Jesus on the cross and through his resurrection. By believing fully in the name of Christ, grace through faith in Christ and Christ alone. And remember... Two weeks ago, when we did the introduction, the definition of sanctification means the process of making holy, setting apart, or advancing holiness, and that is God's will for us, and that's found in 1 Thessalonians 4.3. The main difference of last week's episode on positional sanctification, today's episode on progressive sanctification, is that positional is an instantaneous, miraculous gift of God. And progressive is also miraculous and also a miracle, but it is a lifelong spiritual journey. Both are a result of the power of the Holy Spirit, and one leads directly to the other. This is a linear process. So again, we're justified, and now we're in the process of true sanctification, making us holy and conforming us into the image of his holy son, which is a just a blessing and honor in its own. So once we are justified, we then begin our walk with the Lord. That's where it starts. And that's where we, we start walking on this path of righteousness. I know a lot of movies kind of poke fun at that and they they mimic it and mock it, but that is truly what we're on. We're on a path of righteousness, and the only way we can do that is by the power of the Holy Spirit through the work of the Word and the heart. So a few pieces of scriptures I want to share with you today, four of them in particular. I'm going to read them and tell you what they are. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. That's in 2 Peter 3.18. Romans 8.29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. That's Romans 8.29. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. Capital S there. And that's 2 Corinthians 3.18. And lastly, Colossians 3.9 and 10. We're going to save that here for just a moment. So hold that. Hold that right there. As we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we should progressively change over time into the image of God's Son. 
we are doing this by a daily spiritual renewal that is found in Colossians 3, 9, and 10. So we're going to go through a few steps here towards the ultimate goal being in the presence of Christ in heaven. But see, justification is the absolute first step. And now we have many steps to get to heaven. And that's where this process of sanctification comes in. This is the long haul. This is the marathon. This is what takes time. This is what takes years and deep spiritual study of God's word and coming together with the saints and praying and, and going through various trials. All these things progressively conform us to the image of his son. So again, that is the goal. The whole goal of a Christian life is to be as Christ-like as we can. And so Remember, the way we do get sanctified is found in, in John, the 17th chapter and the 17th verse. When Jesus says, sanctify them in your truth, your word is truth. So again, the Bible is the inerrant, holy, true words of God that will sanctify us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because remember, all scripture is God breathed. So when you open this book up, you are opening up the divine. That's what we're doing. We are opening up divine truth. We're not just opening up, open up a book that's a 12-step program on how to be a better person. This is a true life-changing, heart-penetrating, mind-transforming word of the living and holy God. This is this is not just some Harry Potter fantasy book that you can read and 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 call it a day. That's not what this is. So again, let's go ahead. We're going to go through uh, many steps here. The first step is putting off our old self. That's the first step, putting off our old self. In Colossians three nine and ten, I told you to hold that there. Now we're getting to it. it says, do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices. So the old self is the, is the self of flesh. It is the self that is consumed with worldly passions and desires. Well, that will ultimately lead to eternal damnation. And I know that's a little bit heavy there, but we have to lay that aside. It's almost like taking off an old set of clothes and putting on new clothes, which will make sense here in just a minute. So again, we are lay that old self down. And that has to be every single day. I want you to hear me one more time. Laying of the old self and putting on the new self, which I kind of gave a little bit of a, I already kind of gave it away here in verse 10. But we are to lay aside the old self and put on the new. This is my brothers and sisters. I can't stress this enough. Every single day. And I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to myself. Every single day. There's no days off in being a follower of Christ. There's no days off. 
You can't say, well, I'm just going to keep my old self on and do what I want. God will forgive me. Um, that's a very, very dangerous game to play. Uh, but that's not what we're called to do. Let's read verse 10. Verse 10 says this, And have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. So again, this is where the rubber meets the road. You must, I must, we must lay aside our old self with its evil practices, with its sinful desires, which is contrary to what God loves and what God desires from us. And it's so important, again, to lay that aside. And then it says to lay it aside, not just, we don't just call it good there, but we put on the new self. Remember, 2 Corinthians 5.17, we are a new creature, a new creation in Christ. So that's that's the new self. Now, Romans chapter 7 you can read it yourself, verses 14 through 25. That talks about the conflict of two natures, the sinful nature that we're always going to live with and our new spiritual Holy Spirit nature, our trying to be Christ-like nature. They are, are going to be constantly at war with one another. So again, the first step is putting off the old self. The step number two, we kind of just got into it, is putting on the new self which is in the likeness of God. We are a new creature, new creation in Christ. And like I said before, this is so challenging. Laying aside ourselves that we die to ourselves and to the desires and the lustful passions. Again, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So those things we must put off to the side. And then we need to pursue the righteousness and holiness of Christ. And we must pray continually for help because, friends, as you well know, we all, all are not perfect. We need to be in constant prayer. God, lead me not into temptation. Lord, I'm struggling with this. Help me through it. Lord, I'm struggling with anger. Help me not to be an angry person because we know that our anger is not what you desire. And then we also need as we're praying for direction and discernment, because there's a lot of things out there, my friends, that are distracting, that even arguments and even theories out there that can, for some people, shake their faith to the core. And we must let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, which leads to number three. So since we're already in the third book of Colossians, I want you to look six verses down into uh, 16. And this is this is also I need to I need to put this on a T-shirt. Matter of fact, this we might change our uh, our T-shirts to this verse for this very reason. So Colossians three sixteen, and this is the third step. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And I'm going to throw in 17 here because this is extremely important as well. Whatever you do, whatever you do, 
in word or deed. Well, that's hard, isn't it? Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So are the things you're doing and saying, are you doing it for him? Or if you do something, can someone look at you and say, he's doing that or she's doing that for God? That's a really convicting question. But number three is letting the word of Christ, again, in the 16th verse, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. It needs to saturate you like a sponge soaks up water. Almost like a towel when it holds water as well. You can think of those illustrations. That's how we need to be with the word of God. We don't read the Bible for academic purposes. We don't read it as a self-help book that we would read any other secular literature, but we need to read it as in, I am unholy. There is nothing good that dwells within me. Only Christ in me gives me that righteousness, gives me that holiness to pursue those holy passions, to be conformed like his son. And this book will help us with the power of the Holy Spirit to be like his son. That is such a privilege. I keep saying it over and over again, but that is such a vital aspect of walking with the Lord. That's the goal. Be holy. That's the goal. So getting back to it, letting the word of Christ richly dwell within us means that we must be in the word every single day. We need to be in the word with spirit-led intentions in which we desire to have the word work in our hearts and change us into the image of his son by the power of the Holy Spirit. I know I keep repeating that, but that again is vital. We are to be saturated with the word like water to a sponge. We read it, we pray on it, we meditate on it and apply it. Joshua 1.8 says this, very, very important stuff here. This book of the law, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Again, now this is not a prosperity gospel verse here. It doesn't mean that if I read the Bible 20 minutes a day, that God is going to give me some kind of land or money that comes out of nowhere because... That's what God's all about. God's not interested in money. He's not interested in riches or materialistic things. The first part of this is crucial. We meditate on it day and night. This is why I have a problem with meditation. Let's empty our minds. If you empty your mind, something's going to fill it. And it's usually something demonic. I know what that sounds like, but that is the absolute truth. Anything outside of what God says is of the demonic. Let that sink in for a minute. Meditate on this, the word of God. Meditate on that so that you may be careful to do action here, to do according to all that is written in it. We can't do it on our own. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit to do what it says. 
Matter of fact, that leads to James 1.22, which says, But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. This is the biggest problem I see in the church today and with Christians as a whole is that we want to read the Bible for academic reasons, for trivia knowledge, but we don't want to have it change our hearts and pursue holiness. We don't want to do what it says. We want to read it. We want to go to church on Sundays. We got our God fix in, and now I can go live my life the way I want. And that's just not the case. We are to be spirit-led, which we'll get to that later. Jesus is the absolute, perfect Christian model for all aspects of life. When tempted in the desert by Satan, he replied with Scripture, Matthew 4.4, Deuteronomy 8.3, that's where it comes from, regarding Scripture. Every word from God is Scripture. Our source of spiritual food is from the Word of God. And while we need to watch what we hear on earth, when it comes to spiritual food, God's Word, eat as much as you want. Because Matthew 4, 4 says this, and some of you know exactly what this says, and some of you don't, and that's perfectly fine. And I'm getting there myself. So as we get there, I want that thought to sink in for a minute. A lot of people say we're supposed to watch what we eat on this earth, and I partially would agree with that. But when it comes to the Word of God, Man, eat as much as you want. That's spiritual food. That's what we need. So Matthew 4, 4, this is what it says. But he answered and said to him, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's where our life source comes from. Not food that goes in the belly, sits for a bit, and depletes our energy. We have to and replenish it with food. That's not what this is here. So let's keep moving on. Number four, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Now, I'm going to just say this here for the next two points. I'm going to keep them very, very shallow. And the reason for that is because we're actually going to do a couple episodes on these two, these next two points coming up. So I'm going to keep them really short so we can expound on them later. So in Galatians 5.22, and that's where the fruit of the Spirit is found. This is what it says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So what does that mean? Do it as much as you want. And that's how you know that you are spirit-controlled, spirit-led. Are you possessing of these qualities? Are they increasing in your, in your life? So that's the fruit of the spirit. Number four, 
the armor of God, which is found in Ephesians 6.10. Go ahead and turn there. Like I said, the fruit of the Spirit and the armor of God, those are the two things we're going to be talking about, God willing, soon. And so I want to keep those very, very shallow so we don't ruin stuff later, over-explain it twice. No one wants that. So in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17, this is what it says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith which you are able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So real quick, let's go ahead. I know we've been hitting a lot here real fast in a rapid pace here. Let's go ahead and take a step back here and let's go over what we went over so far. So some helpful steps in the progressive sanctification mean that we are in the walk with the Lord. Now we're walking. It's our daily walk. Step number one is putting off the old self and those sinful desires. Number two, the new self, which is in the likeness of God and likeness of Christ and pursuing his righteousness and holiness. Number three, letting the word of Christ richly dwell within us. Number four, the fruit of the spirit. Number five, the armor of God. So again, we have here those five steps. Now, I know I went through the armor of God and the fruit of the spirit very, very quickly. Like I said, we're going to be getting to those God willing soon. So have patience with me. So let's go to number six, obedience, obedience. A disciple of Christ is truly what we are called to be. John eight thirty one. I want you to listen to this. Turn there if you would like. I want you to listen to this. Because sometimes when we study things, and I, I just, I'm kind of going two different ways here with what I just breeze through the armor of God and the fruit of the spirit. But sometimes we have to genuinely slow down and read what God is saying here. So in the 31st verse of chapter eight, this is what it says. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. So why is that significant? The Greek for disciple is mathetes, 
And the word behind that is truly disciples of mine. So truly is alethos. Why is that significant? Because if you continue in his word, you are the real deal. You're the real thing. Real disciples, true disciples. And so, again, we must be obedient to Christ. I'm going to give you a few pieces of scripture to show you why that's significant. Let's jump back five chapters here. So John 3, 36. And John, the, ch the third chapter is so rich in spiritual truth. But in the 36th verse, however, I want you to listen to this. It says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So we must believe, then we must obey. Very, very crucial. In Hebrews, the fifth chapter, verse 9. Hebrew 5, 9. This is what it says. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. We must be obedient. He is our source of salvation if we obey him. We continue in his word. We walk as he walked. 1 John 5, 3. This is so critical because one of the things of being a Christian that I've asked myself is, how do I show God I love him? I can tell him that through prayer, but how do I show him that? That's, that's critical. 1 John 5, 3 says this, for this is the love of God. Or in other words, this is how we show God we love him, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. You want to show God you love him? Obey his commands. Pretty simple stuff. But again, it's hard because our old self that we talked about in our first step is contrary to the spirit of God, to his, to his scriptures, to his desires. So again, that's why we must put off that old self. The minute we wake up, we need to be in prayer. Thankful that we have another day of life, but also asking God, God, please keep my old self away and help me to stand firm in your truth and to pursue you in all that I say and do. So let's move on to number seven, spirit-filled. Spirit-filled. Ephesians 5.18 says this. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. But be filled with the Spirit. So, once again, this does not mean that we are filling up our spiritual gas tank. But rather it means that we live continually under the control of the Holy Spirit by letting the Word dictate our lives. We need to pursue 
pure lives, confessing all of our known sins. I would even add to that our unknown sins. There are sins that I commit I know I probably haven't confessed to. So when I'm praying, I'm just kind of letting you in here a little bit on my personal journey with God. I always say, God, please forgive me of the sins I know about and the sins I don't know about because I don't want to be sinful in your eyes. So we need to confess those sins. We need to die to self, which goes back to putting off our old self in step one. Surrendering to God's will. By the way, we're going to be doing God's will, God willing, soon. So God's will, the fruit of the Spirit, and the armor of God, are they're coming. And we need to also depend on His power in all things. It means to live in a conscious presence of Christ, allowing His mind, through His Word, to completely dominate every thought and action that we have. That's what being spirit-filled means. Again, it's not a spiritual gas tank. It's being completely dominated by the Holy Spirit in all that we say and do. Number eight, increase in spiritual qualities found in 2 Peter chapter 1. Verses 3 through 11. Let's turn there now. I've been spending a lot of time in 1st and 2nd Peter. And I'll tell you, one of the questions and the concerns that Christians have is, how do I know that I'm saved? How do I know I'm going to actually get to heaven? This set of scriptures here will let us know. So, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 11, this is what it says. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corrupt corruption that is in the world by lust. Here we go. For this very reason, also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, in your self-control, perseverance, and your perseverance, godliness, in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, let me say this again. For if these qualities are yours, do you have them now? And are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Listen to this, though. Listen to verse 11. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be a abundantly supplied to you. 
Whoa. Now that is a whole other episode study in itself. But verse five says, apply all diligence to increase these qualities. All diligence. Take that diligence wherever you place it anywhere else and apply it to here. And again, verse eight, we possess those qualities in the increase. We won't be unfruitful. We won't be useless. We will be fruitful and we'll be used by God. And if we practice these things and increase in them, we will never stumble. And our calling from God will be made certain. And our entrance into heaven will be abundantly supplied to us. Whoa. That is amazing. So again, you have all these steps here. Because we have number nine, and that's the final one. But before we get there, again, we put off the old self. Then we put on the new self. We let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. We practice the fruit of the Spirit. We put on the full armor of God, not part of it, full. We are are obedient to his commands and to his teachings. And we are spirit-filled or spirit-controlled. And this last one we just did, we increase in spiritual qualities found in 2 Peter chapter 1. And last, but certainly not least, of all things, I want you to turn to Matthew, the 22nd chapter, verses 37 through 40. As we go there, I'm just going to let you in on a little something here. Our sanctification, at the heart of it all, are these two huge, monumental pieces of scripture here. I want you to listen here. 22, 37 through 40. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So why is that significant? We have to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we need to love our neighbor as ourself. Why is that important? Because every aspect of these steps we went so far depends on us loving God and loving others. Because if we love God, we want to be not like the world anymore. That means we put off the old self. If we love God, then we want to put on the new self, which he has given us as a precious gift, an undeserved gift. We want to pursue holiness. So we let the word of Christ dwell within us richly. If we love God, we want to be like his his son. We want to be controlled by the spirit. 
And one of the ways we do that is by being of the fruit of the Spirit. That's being led by the Spirit. Because we know that Romans, it talks about, if we're in the flesh, we cannot please God. And so if we're in the Spirit, we do please God. So that's the fruit of the Spirit. That's how we please God. Put on the armor of God. All the armor except for the sword is defensive because we're going to be attacked. And we love God because we don't want to fall. We don't want to fall short anymore. And our sin is such a disgusting thought to the believer anymore that we don't want to fall short. So we want to put on the armor of God so we don't fall. And he gives us everything we need for life and godliness. We just read about that again in 2 Peter chapter 1. And then if we love God, we just we just read about it in 1 John 5, 3. How do we show God we love him? We obey him. We want Jesus Christ to be our source of our salvation. We must obey him. We want eternal life. We must believe upon his name and obey him. And then if we truly love God, if we truly love him, then we need to love our neighbor as ourselves. Because one of the most amazing qualities about God, his attributes that are just beyond all understanding and so gracious and wondrous is his love. He demonstrated just a miraculous forgiveness for us. A love for us that that I can't I I can't put into words. And if he showed me a sinner that kind of love, then I ought to lay my life down for my brothers. And that includes people I don't get along with, people that wrong me, people that persecute me, and all those things. I need to love people as he loved us. Remember, we love because he first loved us. So I know that was a lot to take in. But once again, this marathon, this spiritual journey, lifelong spiritual journey that we're on, is is tough it's long but in the end it's so worth it everything that we go through we need to have a smile on our face knowing that everything that we do and say should be for the glory of god and one day we'll be in heaven with him and i'm going to stop there because that is next week's episode on perfected sanctification So with that, I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. And until next time, God bless you, my friends.